Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Raven's Top Ten Buckle Podcast, where I will be reviewing old Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer newsletters. And this episode will be covering the month of January of 1992. Right, from the 6th of January 1992 edition, Inside Edition Steroid Story should air by the time you read this. Dave hasn't seen it yet, but word is that it is to be significantly damaging to WWF and Hulk Hogan in particular. It's considered such a big story that Inside Edition put their top producers on it and say that it's been examined by their lawyers more than any other story they've ever run to ensure that they don't get sued. WWF have refused to respond to it, saying it's a dead issue because the company's new steroid testing policy. ABC's 2020 is working on a steroid story as well, which Dave was interviewed for, and 60 Minutes may be doing one soon also. How this will affect other remains to be seen. Dave says this is slightly unfair that Hogan has been made the face of the issue when almost the entire company is on the gear, but it was... His own dishonesty in an interview like the Arsenio Hall show that put him in the spotlight. As for WCW, they'll likely continue to ignore it since WWF seems to be taking all the heat, but the problem exists in WCW. Also, of course, the big question is, what about the long-term health effects of all this steroid juice? Boy, we would sure, f- sure find out soon. Speaking of steroids, Dr. Zazorian was finally sentenced last week to three years in federal prison, two years for pro- prohibition for each of the 12 counts, a $12,500 fine for f- and the forfeit of his $3.7 million office condo because the jury rules were used for committing drug distribution crimes, considering he was facing a possible forty. 44 years sentence, he probably looked out on that one. So, right, three years, he'd probably be out in a year and a half. In this newsletter, Meltzer has a little comment about Starcade 91 happening. Long, shorty, long story short, Dave didn't particularly care for it, and no real news came out of it to take away. Linda McMahon is scheduled to testify on the WWS behalf on the next Hurricane Florida regarding pro wrestling in the state. Fun bit of trivia. A Mexican publication did a story on the history of mass in wrestling and apparently the first mass wrestler was James Atts in Fort Worth, Texas back in 1933. A few weeks later, a mass wrestler named the Mass Marvel debuted at the Madison Square Garden. The first Mexican mass wrestler was the Mass Man in 1934. Mass became the calling card for Lucha Libre due to El Santo, who began wearing his famous white mask in 1942, while making a, a good, good Lucha thing. Also, the Parks and Rec Department in the Mexican City suburbs has announced plans to build a Lucha Libre museum. Rowdy Piper showed up on television taping of the final episode of Portal Wrestling and cut a touching heartfelt promo about promoter Don Owens and how great he is, case causing hope, causing Owens to tear up. It's true to this day that Don Owens, regardless, the probably the most honest and fair wrestling promoter ever. Fun fact not mentioned here is Piper loved Owen 
Don Owen so much that he vowed to never compete against him, true to his head for years afterwards. Whenever WWF was in a region on Owen's turf, Piper would refuse to work the shows. Dave was a guest on a sports radio show that covered wrestling and was told after they were off the air that the reason that they hadn't invited him on the show sooner was because Vince McMahon had paid for a sponsorship deal on the show on express conditions that they did not have Meltzer on as a guest anymore. Sid Justice is scheduled to turn at the television tapings next week and Jesse Ventura's father lawsuit against Vince McMahon regarding the use of Vince's of Ventura's announcing work on video releases and confirmations that Ventura wasn't paid for. Ventura had some sort of special contract regarding his commentary where they especially had to pay him every time it was used outside the, the original event. For years afterwards, even on later DVDs released showing old matches, Ventura's commentary was often edited out because of this. In fact, I think this to this day, I believe Ventura still gets paid if they use his commentary. At a recent TV t- TV taping, WCW f- filmed an angle with Mr. Hughes ran PM News into the ring post and damaged his eye. The reason for this is because there was an altercation in between PM News and Rick Rude, me boy, which news came out on the losing end. Apparently, Lude was an arm wrestling. People on PM News was challenged to use both of his arms to to only one of Rude's and he still couldn't beat him. Somehow this led to a fight and led to News getting a black eye. Dave says that even though other bigger guys might look stronger aside from maybe Scott Norton, there's probably no one in the business who could beat Rude in arm wrestling. The Diamond Stud, Scott Hall, missed Starkey because he had surgery to move bone chips from his elbow and Lex Luger had the entire month of January off. And there's a lot of speculation that Luger won't be around much longer. But Dave says it's hard to imagine anyone walking out on the type of big contract Luger has. Dave best imagine a lot more. And with that, that's the end of the week and we're going to go to a commercial break. believe everything you hear some beers sound German but they aren't well that was a nice walk down memory lane with an old Bex advert from 92 right we're on to the 10th of January now inside edition steroid story aired and yikes almost the most damaging parts were superstar Billy Graham and Dr. Death David Saltz both talking about Hogan's excessive steroid use. They also showed VEDEX receipts or packages sent from Dr. Sohori to Hogan, as well as show clips of Hogan's various interviews where he lied on continuous occasions. Overall, it was a great work of journalism and the proof shows him pretty, pretty damaging to Hogan and WWF as a whole. Hogan's attorney, Jerry McDibbitt, Tried everything he could up until airtime to get the piece cancelled, but Inside Edition didn't budge. Over the weekend, Graham and Schultz both appeared on radio shows and made even more explosive allegations among them. Schultz 
claimed he personally injected Hogan with steroids hundreds of times. Graham claimed that after WWF started cocaine testing in 1987, wrestlers would travel with jars of clean urine in their luggage for whatever test occurred. Schultz also claimed that Hogan was a black market steroid distributor early in his wrestling career, helping him to provide it for other wrestlers. Schultz says that in 1984, Vince McMahon pretty much told him to see Dr. Cesarian and get on the stead so he could get bigger if he wants to be be put in the storyline. But Hogan, they said there were others, more serious allegations made in the interview, but he won't reprint them because he hasn't had the chance to investigate them himself yet. This far, the WWF response has mostly been silent. Dave assumes WWF will respond by attacking the credibility of Schultz, most famous for slapping John Stossel during the 2020 episode taping and Graham, who tried to get out of court settlements of $1.25 million from WWF before taking making his statement. But while both men might have credibility issues, it's not. It's no secret within the industry that most most of what what they have said has a lot of truth to it. After this, there's about a ten page interview that Dave conducts with Billy Graham. It's super interesting and well good read, but there's nothing really groundbreaking in it. But if you have a if you have a figure four weekly subscription, go back in the archives and read it. This interview takes up about half of the entire issue, which is why this is such a s- slow news week. I guess Lex Luger has officially given his notice to WCW and be leaving after the Super Brawl show. His contract doesn't technically expire until March 1993, but he will be given a limited release where he can wrestle in Japan but not in WWF until after his contract expires. For For those wondering, this is why Luger debuted at the World Body Federation as an announcer in 92 and didn't actually start as a WWF wrestler until 93. It was their way of getting Luger locked down and showing him TV. Even though they couldn't technically use him as a wrestler, it's funny because Dave says that's the end End up being exactly what happened. Dave then goes on to talk about how Luger, based on his age and size, could potentially be the, the heir to Hogan thrown in the WWF and claim why other, why other guys, Savage, Piper, Flair, Sid, Undertaker, Bret Arcade, probably won't be the next top star in the company. Some Japan news here. There's a huge crossover promotion show in the works with Super World of Sport, Tenru's promotion and New Japan, the show expected to take place later this year, headlined by Ricky Chono, the IWGP champion, and Tenru, the SWS champion, and which will likely lead to storyline with the two companies working together. Could be interesting since WWF has a working relationship with SWS and WCW has a similar relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Both the the Nasty Boys were injured over the weekend when they, along with IRS, were driving Micro Thunder and some fans in another car pulled up behind them and began throwing things at the car and even bumping the car with their own. At a red light, everyone got out of the car to fight. Knobs was stabbed four times, Jesus. Three in the arm, once in the stomach, and Sags was given a concussion when someone swung ju- jumper cables and hit him in the head. Both were treated and released from the hospital that night and are expected to miss this weekend's TV tapings. Dave isn't sure yet why, but Dan Spivey has been fired from All Japan. 
He's been part of a tag team with Stan Hansen for a while and will now be replaced by Johnny Ice. Spivey ended up coming back a few months later, I believe. Here we go, Dave likes to truly ruin a bit of kayfabe here. Apart from the marriage going down in SummerSlam 91, Dave dropped a tidbit that Macho Man Randy Savage and Elizabeth were actually married in real life on December the 30th, 1984 in Fort Worth, Kentucky. What a belter. In the letter section of the Observer this week, someone wrote in with a lot of questions about Medusa, which Dave responds to. Was she trained in martial arts? Yes, she was. Did she compete in kickboxing or judo? No. Not that Dave knows as. Did she release an album in Japan? Yes. Called Who's Medusa? I went on to find that Google is failing me. Was she ever appeared approached by Playboy? Yes, they approached her. Nothing came of it. Then dude asked her age. Born in 63. Miles of Stasis, Dayton, Eddie Gilbert, etc. I, it's frankly a little creepy how much this guy wants to know. I would agree with that one. And that's the end of the second week of January, so we're going to go for another commercial break. What you see was my father's before me and his father's before him. Sunday, son. All this will be yours. Thanks, Dad. Castlemaine is made with golden cluster hops. Ingenious inheritors wouldn't give a Castlemaine Forex for any other lager. Damn, I remember Castle Castlemaine Forex. Anyway, we're on to the last week of January, which is the 20th. And it's the final time for some 1991 era awards results. They've spread these over multiple issues for the next few months. I've collected them all together here. So, rest of the year was Jumbo Saruda, most outstanding wrestler, Jushin Lager, best babyface, Hulk Hogan, gobshite, best heel, Undertaker, uh, yes, I agree with that, most obnoxious promoter, I'm assuming, it was Herb Abrams with Jim Herb, Vince McMahon, a close second and third, best interview was Ric Flair, it's me boy, most charismatic, Hulk Hogan by a landslide, still a gobshite, Best technical wrestler, Jushin Lager. Best brawler, Bruiser Brody, the Bruiser Brody Memorial War goes to Cactus Jack. I'd give them that as well. Best high flyer, Jushin Lager. Most overrated, Sid Justice. Uh, I beg to differ on that. Most underrated, Terry Taylor. Should swap those two wrestlers around on these ca categories. Best promotion, All Japan. Barely edged out by New Japan. Yeah, New Japan wouldn't become the powerhouse until at least 10 years later. Best television show, All Japan. Yeah, Manager of the Year, Sensational Sherry. Match of the Year was the Steiner Brothers versus Hoss and Saki. I'm assuming that was in All Japan. WCW's executive v VIP Jim Hayd has resigned from the company while it's technically been reported as a resignation where this Hayd pretty much lost and him him or me goes ultimatum with Dusty Rhodes. Most people within the business say that Jim Heard fate was sealed when he allowed WCW to lose Ric Flair. With even Heard not admitting that lose with now Heard admitting 
Losing Flair was the biggest mistake he made after the Rector's Nation had reportedly attended a TBS communications meeting and buried Dusty, Jim Ross and Magnum TA. At the TBS, a TBS named Kip Fryer will be replacing Heard. Fryer's very little wrestling experience and will probably leave, leave the wrestling end of the business to Dusty and Jim Cornette and only focus on the legal and financial aspects of WCW. The most unusual steroid story yet was published in the New York Post last week by Phil Mosnick. That dude has been crusading against wrestling for damn near 30 years now. He has. He strongly criticised the WWF, Hulk Hogan, Vince McMahon and covered in details the statements Billy Graham and Dave Schultz made. The biggest story, however, is that Graham revealed that the FBI is investigating Vince McMahon. Graham claims that the FBI asked him to let them tap his phone and then have him call Vince to gather information. He also said the FBI believes McMahon may be connected to the Mafia and says, if anything happens to me or any members of my family, I want the FBI to start the investigation with Vince McMahon and the WWF. Dave Sol said he received several threatening phone calls after Insider's Edition story aired and that if anyone from the WWE wants him, they know where to find him. And then talks about how he always carries a gun. Dave, of course, can't confirm that the FBI is investigating Vince and also says he doesn't believe Vince is connected with the Mafia. Dave and I think it's Hogan's, Hulk Hogan's own fault that he's being used as a scapegoat for this whole thing. Dave thinks it's too early to tell what the fallout ultimate will be. More importantly, what does it mean for the future? Desperately now testing for steroids, it's obvious that most of the roster is still getting around it. The company probably just did its second round of steroid testing according to their rules. People who failed their test are now eligible to be suspended, but Dave hasn't heard about anyone being suspended yet. Many wrestlers feel like the WWF won't actually suspend them and Dave tends to agree because he doesn't think the company could survive if they actually had to suspend anyone who was juicing because it would be almost the entire roster. Business relevance is kind of in a bad spot and if the media pressure gets worse he'll have to do something drastically which he did by the end of the year. Antonia Noki is negotiating with James Bustler Douglas, yes, the one who put Tyson down for the wrestler versus boxing match for the Tokyo Dome, possibly as early as March, didn't end up happening. Former world class ring announcer Ralph Paul passed away this week, and one of his Paul Bearers was Paul Bearer, aka Percy, Bring Percy Bringle in WCCW. GW GWF is attending, attempting to build a wrestling museum at the Dallas Sportatorium. Don Owens' Portland Wrestling is still running shows but without a television to, to, mo to promote the attendance is dropping drastically and won't be able to survive like this for long. Also, Don Owens has listed the Portland Sports Arena for sale and the 2020 Stereo Store is expected to run in late February, early March. In a local newspaper interview, Bob Blackman said that he wants people to know that he never sold out the steroid culture in WWF. You can tell. He said he felt snubbed by the WWF locker room near the end of his run because he refused to change his look and, and partake in steroids and drug culture there. And, and that makes him uneasy that Hogan is portrayed as the, the role model. 
The nasty boys are both expected to be a little longer than expected due to that whole stabbing thing from last week. I decided to do some research on this of my own and just out of curiosity couldn't find any info on the two other guys but the third one well boy Chad Reigns was one of the one of the three attackers and he's a bit of a bad boy. Ten years after the nasty boy incident in two thousand two, Reigns was shot and killed by police while he was trying to murder a fifteen month old baby by slashing her throat. So yeah, fuck that dude. Bret Hart came out of the last TV taping with the uh, without the Intercontinental title, so expect him to lose that at the Royal Rumble. Not quite since these tapings were here after the Rumble. Tatanka and Papa Shango are also debuting on TV at, on next week's tapings, and Conan worked the dark match as the Latin Fury. In the WWF, expects Sid Justice to turn heel sometime soon. In WCW, Barry Windumble will be turning heel after Lex Luger leaves. Jushin Lager expected to make a f- make frequent appearances in WCW this year and will be facing Brian Pillman in the Starcade, which if you haven't seen it, that match is amazing, classic for its time. Check it out. Jason Harvey appeared on a Lifestyles of Rich and Famous with Missy Hyatt and was shown with him and was introduced as a sports commentator out of Atlanta with no mention of wrestling. And with the end of January's Wrestling Godverters newsletters, here comes our final break of the episode. Because Calibre from Guinness is completely alcohol-free, it doesn't affect your ball control. And last up, we had a pay-per-view this this month in January and, and we had a special TV shaping. So we'll start off with the Royal Rumble 1992, which a from New York's Knickerbocker Arena on the 19th of January, and the attendance was 17,000. We had a dark match. We had Chris Walker defeated the Brooklyn Brawler by disqualification. No time was giving. The New Foundation defeated the Orient Express, Cato and Patanaka, and that was a 17 minutes and 18 second match, and a really good opener. We got a little TV package here of Bret Hart allegedly going in, I think it was the Friday before this Royal Rumble, facing the Mountie with 110 fever and he lost the belt. So at the Rumble we've got an Intercontinental Championship match. Rowdy Rowdy Piper defeated the Mountie in 5 minutes and 22 by submission. Really, really bad submission to be honest. The Beverly Brothers, Bo and Blake Beverly, defeated the Bushwhackers at 14.56. Always, always like the Beverly Brothers. WWF Tag Team Champions, the National Disaster, the National Disasters, defeated the Legion of Tombs, who were the champions at the time, by count out at 9 minutes 24. And then we had the 30-man Royal Rumble, in my opinion, the best Royal Rumble ever to date. For the vacant WWF World Heavyweight Championship, Ric Flair won by last last eliminating Sid Justice at 1 hour, 
2 minutes and 2 seconds. A little bit of note from this. If you get the pay-per-view version of this, when Sid Justice takes takes out Hulk Hogan over the top rope, and then vice versa happens when Sid Justice is being grabbed by Hogan and Flair tips and Hogan gets booed out the place. Which was a good sign to come. And next up, we had a TBS special, WCW's Clash of the Champions 18 took place on the 21st of this month at the Kansas Expo Center in Kansas. There was 5,500 fans in attendance and the show drew a 3.7 rating on TBS. This event was a setup for Super Bowl 2, so WCW debuted Jesse Ventura on commentaries. On commentary, and it was originally scheduled as Brian Pinion, Brian Pillman, and the Patriots versus the Diamond Stud Scott Hall and the Young Pistols. Right, the card goes as following: We've got the Steiner brothers defeated Big Van Vader and Mister Hughes. Harley Race was managing. Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Brian Pillman defeated the Taylor Made Man and Tracy Smothers. Johnny B. Bad defeated Richard Morton. PM News defeated Diamond Dallas Page. Cactus Jack defeated Van Hammer in a Falls Count Anywhere match. The Fabulous Freebirds, the ship version, it's Jimmy Garvin, defeated Brad Armstrong and Big Josh. Vinnie Vegas, Kevin Nash, beat Tommy Rich. Dusty Rhodes, Barry Windham and Ron Simmons defeated the dangerous alliance of Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton and Larry, Sabis- Larry Sabisco with Paulie Dangerously in the corner. And Sting and Ricky Steamboat defeated Steve Austin and Rick Rude. That actually sounds like a nice card. I might give that a watch tonight. And with that, that's the end of the show. We'll do the wrap up in a moment. I really enjoyed doing that. If you enjoyed it, Check it out, I'll be posting this on YouTube every week. And if you're wondering who Raven is, it's my cat. And I'm sad, I know, I do apologise. And check out, I've got another uh, channel popping up soon called Raven's Ghetto Blaster Tunes. Be an odd tune recorded off a tape on my brand new Ghetto Blaster. So with that, I will say goodbye, and I will see you on the other side, and I really do hope you enjoy this show, and hopefully my confidence will get better, and I will stand on this. <laughs> see you on the other side.